Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Michael. We're three old guys who are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll songs of all time and other interesting ruminations about the stories and the music and the songs that inspire us. This Rocktail Hour is brought to us by Tim, who's going to tell us the story of Helter Skelter by the Beatles. Tim? Finally, I get to do a rock tale about the Beatles. I struggled a little bit because the Beatles have some very mellow songs. They have some pretty good uh, pop songs, and they also have some really rockin' songs. So it was kind of hard to choose which song I might pick, but I wanted to do one that had a little more of a rock edge, and there's a few to pick from. Uh, Come Together is a really good song. I Am the Walrus, Back in the USSR, Revolution. Um, so. Helter Skelter is an interesting song to me. Helter Skelter is off the White Album, which is one of the most impressive, uh, eclectic collection of mismatched songs that have ever been put together. They range from mainstream pop to outright eccentricity. Some of the songs are just flat out absurd. When you think of Rocky Raccoon, which is a great song, very entertaining, and and then you have Piggies, which is one of the stupidest (laughs) songs of all time. Uh, what's, the white... the song, what's the song where John Lennon's just saying, number nine, number nine? Isn't that on the white Isn't album? that Revolution number nine? I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. It, just bizarre odd. stuff. Yeah, bizarre. Um, the White Album it reminds me of my grandmother's costume jewelry box, and some of the pieces were very gaudy. Some of them were very tasteful. Some of them looked very cheap, but it always seemed to me when my grandmother put her jewelry on, she always looked classy and dignified. And I think that kind of sums up the collection of songs on the White Album, that they're very mismatched, but some of the greatest work that the Beatles ever produced comes off of the White Album. Um, Not all of them hits, in fact, most of them aren't, but you have things like Blackbird, Mother Nature's Son, and I Will, beautiful, really good songs. And so I very much respect the White Album. Helter Skelter was inspired by an interview that Paul McCartney heard Pete Townsend give. Pete Townsend described the song I Can See for Miles as the loudest, rawest, dirtiest song The Who ever recorded. Well, at the time, Paul McCartney hadn't heard it, but it it inspired him to try to outdo The Who by writing the rawest, dirtiest, nastiest song that the Beatles had ever written. The song itself is really kind of just ridiculous, um, nonsensical wordplay. It just repeats the main stanza two or three times. When I get to the bottom, I'll go back to the top of the slide where I stop and turn and I go for a ride till I get to the bottom and I see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it just kind of goes on. (laughs) Well, what is Helter Skelter? Helter Skelter, by definition, is chaotic and disorderly haste. Uh, Helter Skelter is a reduplication word which means that it's sort of sing-songy or rhymy, much like willy-nilly or harem-scarum or... uh, Hocus-pocus. Yeah, hocus-pocus or hurly-burly. The song itself is loosely based on a a fair ride that was quite popular in England called Helter Skelter. And what it was, it was a spiral slide where you climbed up the inside of a tower that was kind of painted in bright colors and looked like a fair ride, and then you rode the slide down like like the big tall slides that we have here in, in America and you and you ride down in a burlap sack. Well, that's what a helter-skelter uh, is. So, cool. relates to the words, when I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. And and that's basically what it's about. Now, I always thought that was talking about a guitar. But 
Yeah, no, it's it's literally talking about a, a fair slide, a ride at a fair. Um, I thought I, it was a metaphor for life. Well, there you go. <laughs> There's no deep meaning in this That's rock right. tale. <laughs> but isn't that that's kind of funny that you get this raucous song mm -hmm. about a children's amusement ride? Yeah. That's funny. Well, John Lennon said it was really just nonsensical. In fact, he was a little derogatory towards Paul. And it was an interview during the time when they weren't necessarily getting along. And he said, look, it's just nonsense. It's meaningless. And that's Paul. And that was according to John Lennon. Now let's talk about the song itself. Man, the song is really, really a good rocking song. The guitar work is very, very impressive. The vocals by Paul McCartney, very impressive. And remember, again, this is off of the White Album. Um, where a lot of the White Album was done under a little bit of duress. There was a lot of tension uh, with the Beatles going on. And I've heard many times John would bring in his own musicians and they would record his songs. Paul would bring in some of his own musicians and they would uh, record Paul's songs. And George and Ringo were just kind of there along for the ride. But uh, according to the research that I've done on, on Helter Skelter, all of the Beatles were involved in this. And there was originally about a 27-minute version of this song. It was ultimately just a jam session. It was a little slower. Uh -huh. It was a little more mysterious. And then they did, uh, as I understand it, 18 takes of this song in the style that it ultimately ended up on the album. And at the end of the song, you can hear Ringo yelling, I've got blisters on my fingers. <laughs> now, I always was thought... That Ringo? That, that was oh. Ringo. So Ringo Starr stands up and says, I got blisters on my fingers. I always thought it was just a part of the song, but apparently Ringo was angry and he was done. <laughs> and that was it. After 18 takes, if they didn't have it right... It's kind of like Leonard Skinner when they say, turn it up. And right. you think yeah. that's supposed to be part of the right. song. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's an odd song. It does fade out about three quarters of the way through the song and it disappears. And then it kind of fades back in and then it fades back out and then they end. And that's when Ringo stands up and yells and, and then they're done. Uh, it's really a, a hard-rocking song, especially for the Beatles. It, it really kind of goes beyond the, the normal style that the Beatles would engage in as far as guitar work. Um, it's been covered by Guns N' Roses, and I've heard that version, and it's actually pretty good. Most uh, covers of the Beatles songs are not my cup of tea. I don't really like them. It's hard for me to compare them to the original. It certainly didn't def redefine the song by any means, but it, it, it was a pretty good cover. Um, as I said earlier... There's a stigma that's attached to this song, almost um, that the song is taboo. Obviously, it's, it's well known that Charles Manson uh, took all of the songs on the White Album, but particularly Helter Skelter, and interpreted them in his own way that ultimately led to a, a murder spree in 1969. Uh, that's not something that I want to talk about very much. I certainly don't want to give Charles Manson any more time than he deserves, but Charles Manson did take this song he interpreted Helter Skelter to mean a race war. And Charles Manson's idea was that Helter Skelter would be a, a war. The, the, the prejudiced whites and the non-prejudiced whites would come into an ultimate battle, which would basically wipe out all of the white people. That would lead the black people to be enslaved by Charles Manson, who would have been in hiding with his family, and after this war was over, he would come out and he would be the leader of all these people that were left over. Clearly very delusional. And then again, he felt inspired by many of the songs on the White Album. And in fact, he considered the Beatles to be uh, to be the four angels uh, that are mentioned in the book of Revelations in the Bible. Four horsemen. Yeah. 
so clearly very delusional, very crazy, spending the rest of his life in jail. But uh, the song Helter Skelter, no, he's not spending the rest of his life. No, I'm just shaking my head oh. in shock <laughs> that, that someone that delusional could actually uh, garner a following. What you just described about his interpretation of the song, it's not clever, right? I mean, there's, no. two, there's, only, there's no basis in the lyrics for the interpretation, yet these people think that this guy has something to say. Well, what was is there something? Say? Was there something in the lyrics yeah, I mean, that he interpreted? Well, no. I mean, I read you. I read you. <laughs> the rest of the where, lyrics are just sort of nonsense yeah, where, words. Where is race yeah. playing into them going yeah. up and down the slide? So, it, it must have been more the messenger than the message, you know, that they were absolutely. following. Right. Well, he... <laughs> Clearly, that's a... <laughs> that's a no-brainer. Apparently self-evident, yes. I don't know the full story behind this, but Charles Manson at one point was trying to release his own album of songs. He, he fancied himself to be a songwriter and a rock star. Serious? And wanted to release about this same time that the White Album came out. He wanted to release his own album, but then clung on to the White Album as, as the inspiration for all of his insane ramblings. I, I was interested in doing a podcast on Helter Skelter immediately following our last rock tale, which was Reject by Green Day. Now, not necessarily the, the Green Day song, but because of the discussion we had during that podcast, where we talked about artists having some responsibility for the songs that they write and what people choose to do based on their interpretation of the songs. Although there were dark messages in some of the songs that we talked about by Ozzy Osbourne and Judas Priest during that podcast, there's absolutely nothing in these lyrics that should inspire anyone to do anything especially to the level that Charles Manson rose to. I don't know, any kid that gets hurt on a slide should sue the Beatles. Absolutely. That's right. Did the, did the connection with the Manson family, didn't they like write on the walls in Blood Helter Skelter? Is that... There was the Tate murders and the La Bianca, La Bianca. Yeah, La Bianca murders. And at, at the La Bianca site where the, uh, the crime scene, they did write Helter Skelter on the walls. Although they did misspell it, Helter Skelter is spelled H-E-L-T-E-R, and they wrote it as H-E-A-L-T-E-R. So insane and illiterate, that is a bad combination. My favorite story about Charles Manson is the uh, trial where he had a couple of his followers, women, um, who, who came to court in bikinis with overcoats on. And at some designated point, he gave them the, the signal, and they stood up and they took off their overcoats so that they were standing there in their bikinis. He was he was trying to get a, a mistrial as a result of jury prejudice or something. Totally whacked. I did um, some searching on the web, and there's not a whole lot of material. In fact, there's very little material out there about any kind of reaction by any of the Beatles uh, about what Charles Manson did based on their album. Not just this song, although it was... It became famous with this case because of the book that the, the trial attorney wrote afterwards. And the, and the book was titled Helter Skelter. And that's where I think this song gained its notoriety because it really wasn't any more influential than any of the other songs. And there's, there's references to each one of the songs on that album as to the agenda that Charles Manson had built for he and his family. Um, but again, the song got that, that prominent uh, featuring when the, when the book was released and that was the title of the book. So there's very little reaction by the Beatles. Apparently, Ringo Starr knew Sharon Tate very well, and so that was pretty close to home for him. And and there was um, you know some quotes by Ringo about how shocked he was and that somebody he knew had been killed, and not only killed, but it was somehow tied to uh, his work as an artist. 
John Lennon spoke about it, and John Lennon was pretty open about the fact that the fans of the Beatles often would interpret lyrics in a way that was meaningful personally to, to themselves that he felt like was totally crazy. Uh, I saw, or I watched the film uh, Imagine, and, and this was released about 20 years ago, and, and some of the documentary footage was actually kind of touching. Outside of John Lennon's home, there was what we would now call a stalker, but you know, a very energetic fan back in the early 70s. And he was hanging out in the woods outside of his mansion um, in England. Finally, they just invited him in for breakfast. And, and they record this whole um, scene. And he says, why are you here? You know, what are you doing? And, and the man says, well, you know, I, I don't remember the song, but he says, when you were writing this song, I know that you were thinking about me. You must have been thinking about me. And, and John Lennon's like, how is that possible? How do you think that there's any way I would know you or could relate anything to you? He said, most of the songs that I write, you know, I, I probably woke up in the morning and had a good breakfast and went to the bathroom and, and wrote this song. There's hardly any meaning behind any of the songs that I wrote. How could it possibly have any meaning to you? So the one reaction that I did get uh, specifically related to... Um, Charles Manson was, again, John Lennon talking about how fans would often misinterpret the, the lyrics of his songs uh, in, in order to serve some personal sort of agenda. And of course, in this case, it had some tragic consequences. But he did say there was oftentimes that they would write things that were just purely nonsense, just so the intellectuals would try to interpret his lyrics and try to, <laughs> try to tell him what he was really saying. And he, he kind of got a kick out of that. Excellent. Yeah. I really like the U2 cover of Helter Skelter, and in particular with the beginning of the song when Bono says, Charles Manson stole this song from the Beatles and we're stealing it back. Oh, that was very cool. Yeah, I haven't heard that. I, yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't aware. That's great. I mean, ultimately, it was never destined to be that one of their number one hits, but musically, this is a very solid song, and it's very entertaining, and, and the vocal work by Paul McCartney is incredible. The guitar is outstanding as well. I mean, both the tone that they get in that electric guitar and also the chord progression uh, and the scale that they play really evokes that sense of, of the word helter-skelter in the Absolutely. way that you defined it. I really feel like that song was way ahead of its time musically in terms of, of where they were going with the music. And had they had they created an entire album that was that was like this or or was original as this song, they, they really would have had an interesting album. Although, again, I, I just think the White Album is fantastic. Question, Tim, is, is it called the White Album, or is that a no, default title? The, the the title of the album is actually The Beatles. It was simply titled The Beatles, but they called it The White Album, obviously, because um, it was white. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Tim. That was a fantastic Rocktail Hour. Uh, we would really appreciate you guys checking us out on Facebook if you were interested in what you heard tonight, or you can check us out on Twitter. Uh, if you want to hear the song, Helter Skelter, go to our Facebook page or to our website, www.rockhillhour.com. We are an iTunes affiliate. You can click on the link and we'll take you right there. Until the next time, rock on. Rock on.